Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting on the opposite side of this here table, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. For those about to rock, we salute you. I know I'm all amped up for this conversation. Yeah, today we're going to talk about AC and DC electrical currents and what they mean and why do we have them and who are you? Oh, no, <laughs> the third one we're going to skip. <laughs> no, and who are you is a different band entirely. Yeah. Oh, CSI. So anyway, AC, DC. <laughs> So we're talking about direct current, that would be DC, and alternating current, that's AC. That's the the two main forms of uh, electricity that we're familiar with. And uh, they have a, a, a pretty long history that includes one of the most famous rivalries in technology. And we've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it again. Yeah, as, as, uh, as we speak, I 
currently have a picture of Nikola Tesla staring at the side of my head. He's on the wall here. He wants to make sure you get this right. Yeah. We also have Edison somewhere in this room. Actually, or... he he's further back in the other part of the studio. But yes, Edison is also here. So Edison and Tesla are the two names of the, the inventors who were kind of the the uh, the face behind these two technologies. Edison, of course, was a, a direct current guy. Yeah. And Tesla was all about the alternating current. And they both argued that their approach was the best. And it kind of makes sense that Edison did it because there was a lot of money at stake. Well, and, and to some degree, both of them were right. And both of them were wrong. It yeah. sort of depends on the application. It all depends on the application. Yeah. And the, and the source of power yes. that you're using. Yes. So, uh, should we talk about the actual power? Uh, well, we... before we do that, I just wanted to make one other, one other mention. Okay, okay. So those were the men, right? You had Edison and Tesla. Those were the two men who were really at the forefront of this fight. Well, there was one other. Yeah. George Westinghouse. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say is that behind these men were companies. You yeah. had, you had Westinghouse who wasn't really a company, but you know, West, we now know of Westinghouse as a company, but we had Westinghouse on one side and General Electric on the other. Yeah. And Westinghouse was backing Tesla and General Electric, of course, was Edison's company. He was backing Edison. Yeah. Um, so should we, should we start with the, uh, the actual current and what it does and yeah. stuff like that? And then we could talk about the people. Let's talk about okay. direct current first because that's the easiest. Okay. So. We know we've talked about circuits and we talked about batteries. That's an easy way to uh, understand direct current. With direct current, you've got you have a negative pole and you have a positive pole on whatever your your power source is. Yeah. So let's say it's a battery. You've got your your negative end and your positive end. The negative end that's where all the electrons are. Electrons have a negative charge. Yep. The positive end there is an absence of electrons. Now electrons, you know, like charges repel each other. Uh huh. Uh, and opposite charges attract each other. Yes. So those electrons really want to get to that positive end because they do not like being all crammed up together. No. So when you put a power source into a circuit, that circuit is really a pathway. It's a pathway from the negative end to the positive end. And the electrons say, yippee, we can go to the positive end. And they just run as fast as they can, except they don't really run because electrons don't have legs. But they go as fast as they can through the pathway. And let's say that you decide, you know what, while these guys are running really fast, I'd like them to do a little work. I want them to light a light bulb, so I'm going to put a light bulb right here in the middle of the pathway that they have to go through before they can get to the other side. Well, the electrons say, don't care, just want to get to the positive end. Whee! And they run through that pathway. They run through the light bulb. They light up the light bulb, and they keep on going till they hit the positive end. Right. That's direct current. It's all moving in one direction. You know, they, they play that little song too before they, you know, da 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 da. Charge. Charge. And then they have to pay royalties to that guy who's suing. The, the bugle? Yeah. You haven't heard about that? No. That's a different discussion. We'll, we'll leave it off for it for this. Okay. But anyway, anyway, so yeah, that's, <laughs> excuse me. That's direct current. It's, it's <laughs> a very simple way of delivering electricity. However, uh, simple does not always mean good because simple also means that you are limited. And, uh, and so now I guess we should talk about what alternating current is, and then we can talk about why there was this rivalry between direct and alternating current. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so Edison believed that direct current 
was the best application of electricity to bring power to people's homes. And so all his stuff used this technology. But Tesla saw a different way to do this. And he decided that alternating current uh, would work better. Now, alternating current, it's sort of weird because uh, to think about. Because in when you learn about basic circuits yeah. um, in, for example, shop class or something like that where you're uh, creating a simple circuit, say you've got your battery and your light bulb and a switch, and you hook everything up and you flip the switch and the light comes on, and you unflip the switch or flip it back the other way, and the light goes off. You're like, okay, yep. I got it. You know, exactly what Jonathan just said. It went from one end to the other. But alternating current goes cha- – it changes direction within yeah. the wires. Yeah. Every, it- every so often it goes – uh, let's just oversimplify as we are apt or are prone to do on this show. Yep. Uh, left to right and then from right to left. So that's a little bit more difficult to explain. Yeah. It's using, it's essentially using magnets, really. It's using magnets to, if you were to think of it in the sense of the battery, it'd be swapping the, the battery ends really, really rapidly. But it's what well, it's doing this through magnets, not through batteries. And, uh, and by moving this back and forth, you are changing the flow of electricity through those wires uh, several times a second. Um, I believe, let's see, in the United States, I believe that's 60 times a second. And in Europe, I think it's 50. I believe that is correct. Which is uh, why, you, why you have to have various adapters when you move between uh, the United States and Europe. And, you know, this sort of thing happens in other nations as well. Yes, I was correct. Um, and we do have a... a, a article on the website about how electricity works that goes into alternating current and direct current. I do recommend you check that out because it'll have some helpful information. We also have information on other elements we'll be talking about shortly, like transformers, but we'll get into that in a second. So, yeah, and the alternating current, the the current reverses 60 times per second in the U.S. or 50 times a second in Europe. And uh, that's what you get out of the wall socket. And you might say, well, why would you want to, to have the alternating current, uh, moving back and forth like that. Well, on its, on, on the face of it, if you were just saying direct current versus alternating current and you're just looking at the way that they are providing power to whatever load you've put on the, the pathway, mm-hmm. like in my example, it was that light bulb. If that's all you're looking at, there's no real huge advantage of direct current, uh, over alternating current or vice versa. They, they both are providing power to the load you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it only comes when, you, it only gets down to when you are talking about generating power and delivering that power to another uh, location. That's when you start looking at, uh, the advantages of alternating current over direct current. And that's the, the, that was the heart of the issue between Tesla and Edison. Edison had a lot of money, uh, invested in direct current and he had a lot of patents. Uh, that uh, were directly involved with direct current. Yep. And he was drawing royalties from those patents. Yes. Because you had power stations that would be using direct current. They'd have to pay a fee to Edison. So it was within his financial interest to really promote direct current. And Edison was a master promoter. That was one of the things he was amazing at. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with, you know, he was a brilliant inventor as well, but he was also a great marketer. Tesla, not as much, but Tesla felt that he was in the right. We get that argument a lot through the whole Tesla story. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla though, liked to do demonstrations with electricity that 
showed him basically holding on to a source of electricity and there were sparks and things and it, it freaked a lot of people out. But well, Edison time, had had a particular demonstration we will have to talk about that really freaked people out too. I'm hoping that we can keep that discussion to a minimum because that still turns my stomach. But anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll, so we should we should continue talking about the the thing. So delivering what, power, delivering power. So um, yeah, the for Edison. To use the direct current doesn't doesn't really travel well or didn't back in the day. They have yeah. found ways to to provide uh, to to help it travel long distances better now. But at the time, you had to have local power stations, very local power stations, like within a mile or two yeah. of wherever it was you were delivering power, and you could you had to deliver the same amount of power that your load was going to require. Um, in other words, you can't change the voltage easily on a direct current system. And the, the reason why that's important is let's say that you have a, uh, you have, you have a device or you have, you know, you have some sort of electronic load that's going to require, oh, um, a certain number of volts. We'll say a hundred volts. And okay. that means that for a direct current, uh, Generator, you would have to generate 100 volts. Actually, it'd be around 110 because you do lose some electricity. There's a, a, a leakage issue with direct current uh, that that in, that gets worse over distance. Uh, so you would have to um, you would have to actually have a generator that created the same voltage as what you were going to consume. And if you had a lot of different uh, demands on this electricity, like you had a lot of different things that use different voltage, then you would have to have a different generator for each kind. And that's not very efficient either. And, uh, and because this, these two problems, the fact that you could not send power over really long distances and you couldn't change the voltage easily, uh, there were some disadvantages to this. And, the biggest one is probably the distance thing because it meant that you had to build generators all over the place if you wanted to uh, distribute electricity over a, a region. Mm-hmm. And this got problematic, particularly when you go out to rural areas because are you going to build a generator for every couple of houses that are miles and miles and miles apart? I mean, that, that's not very cost effective for the people who live there. Why mm-hmm. would they even adopt electricity if – that if it meant essentially that they had to have their own generator, yeah, right. That, and and so alternating current got around this. And I guess I guess to really understand this, you kind of have to talk about uh, uh, current versus uh, voltage. So yeah, because voltage is is really, and this is sort of weird to think about. It's a, a unit of electrical pressure. Yeah, yeah, rather than current, which is the number of electrons. Really, right. So. You, you measure, we talk about current in terms of, uh, amps. And amps really refers to the number of electrons that are moving through that, that circuit. Voltage, like you said, is more like pressure. It's the amount of power you've put behind those electrons. So if you had high voltage, low, uh, low amps, then you would have relatively few electrons moving with a lot of power. Mm-hmm. If you had low voltage, high amps, you have a lot of electrons moving at low power. Um, and, if high voltages travel further, it's because, you know, you've put a huge amount of energy into this, this current and it's going to push the electrons further than it would with less leakage than it would if you had a low voltage. See, now I'm, I'm thinking of a different song by the same band you quoted initially. High uh-huh. voltage. So, 
So, in other words, in other words, let's say that you've got. Imagine you have a a, a pipe. Yeah. In front of you, yeah. and it's a uh, you've got a bowling ball that'll fit inside this pipe. So that's a pretty big uh, diameter. Right. Pipe. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The it's reason why I'm saying is like let's say that let's say that you get a little kid to give mm-hmm. that bowling ball a push. Well, that bowling ball's only going to go so far. And then let's say you get a uh, uh, a guy in the the world's strongest man competition to get, come along and give it a push as hard as he can. That ball's going to go much further. Well, with direct current, because the generator had to be the same voltage as whatever the dis the the actual receiving. Um, uh, appliance or, or load was going to be, mm-hmm. you couldn't increase that voltage to make the current go further. Okay. Because if you did, then your loads wouldn't work anymore. They'd be overloaded because, you know, the voltage would be way too high. But alternating current, because those electrons change direction, they create something else that allows you to boost and then reduce the voltage along power lines. So, the power that comes out of a power generator, uh, the electricity that comes out of a, a generator plant, doesn't necessarily have to be the same voltage as what's actually traveling through the power lines on the power grid. Now, you need something to step up the voltage. Which is the transformer. Yes. And they are indeed more than meets the eye. Yes. But they are not robots that change into other forms. A transformer uh, is, is a way to change from one voltage to another. And it's actually, uh, at its heart, a transformer is incredibly simple. Yeah. And it all has to do with the relationship between electricity and magnetism, which we have talked about so many times, many times on this podcast. But in general, if you've forgotten, if you, if you have, if you're just tuning in, yeah, if you have current moving through a, uh, a wire and mm-hmm. you, and it, that will generate a magnetic field, particularly if you're alternating that current, it creates a, an alternating magnetic field. All right. So the Ooh. current's reversing back and forth through this line. Uh, that's creating this, this, uh, magnetic field that itself is changing over and over again. Uh-huh. So let's say you've got a coil of wire next to an alternating magnetic field, a magnetic field that's in flux. It's changing over and over again. Well, if the magnetic field is changing and the coil of wire is close enough, that's going to induce electrons to th- flow through the wire. Mm-hmm. All right. So using this, we can make alternating current and create a, uh, and create a transformer. You have a, one coil of wire that's your primary coil. You're running electricity through this coil and mm-hmm. it's in alternating current. So it's going back and forth, reversing direction through, the, through this coil. You put a secondary coil near the primary coil. Right. The magnetic field generated by the primary coil will induce electricity in the secondary coil. And here's the really cool thing. The number of coils in the primary coil versus the number of coils in the secondary coil will determine how the voltage changes. Excellent. So That's very simple. Yeah. Let's say that you have one coil in your primary coil. So you just do one turn and that's it. And you have 10 coils in your secondary coil. Mm Mm-hmm. The amount of voltage in the secondary coil that's generated from that magne- uh, magnetic flux will be 10 times as strong as the primary coil. So right. you have stepped up the voltage. So what you do is at your power generation plant, you have a primary coil that is a certain number of coils, and your secondary coil has way more coils. And the ratio there will determine how much the voltage changes. You then transmit that electricity through wires to wherever, 
you know, through to a residential neighborhood, let's say. Right. Well, as the the electricity travels there, once it hits the the uh, the the power lines, the power poles that have the connection to your house, there's a transformer on those those uh, essentially their telephone poles is what we think of them as. Right. They have they have transformers, too. Now, in that case, they their primary coils have more coils than the secondary coils. So the voltage is stepped down. And that means that even though the voltage in the power line that's coming down the street is really, really high, way higher than what you need in your house. In fact, so high that it's, you know, incredibly deadly. Um, once it goes through that transformer and goes to your house, it's going to be at the right voltage for your home. Yes. And we usually, in the United States, that would be 120 volts. Because remember, we talked about it reversing 60 times a second. Well, you have to add the two 60s, right? The 60 positives and the 60 negatives, for lack of a better term. Add those together, and it's not like 60 plus negative 60. It's 60 plus 60. It's 120 volts. And that solves the problem that you were talking about earlier with the uh, the need for the generating right, portion right. to be to match exactly the... the uh, the load at the other end. Right. And it, it solves the problem of the distance issue, too, because yep. you have you have upped the voltage so high that it's going to transmit over a much greater distance than direct current will. And so um, you've just solved that issue of how do you deliver electricity in an efficient way so you don't have to build generators every couple of miles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Tesla and Westinghouse thought this was a brilliant idea. Edison, of course, did not like it because it did not. It was it was it was a competing standard to his own, and it was going to mean that he was going to be out some serious dough. So there there became a uh, kind of a series of one-upmanship uh, demonstrations across, well, mostly the Northeast, but uh, it, it was an attempt to to make to to try and have one standard come out the su- the supreme leader in electricity. Yeah, we uh, um, we've talked about. These things not in the in the not terribly distant past at this point when we're recording this, um, and I believe I revealed at one point that I had read the book Empires of Light by mm-hmm. uh, Jill Jonas, um, and I'm probably still mispronouncing her last name, um, which is about this about the the uh, the current wars, and uh, it it paints a really unflattering picture of Edison really when you learn a lot more about it. Um, now, Tesla was sort of a uh, – Eccentric. He was an eccentric. He also kind of liked to live the high life. Yes. Uh, he, he liked expensive stuff. An eccentric dandy who got progressively crazier as he got older. <laughs> I wouldn't say crazy. No, I he would. He might still be alive in some capacity. <laughs> um, now I'm the crazy one. So, yes, my co-host is joining Tesla. Yeah. No, I, it's it's fun to, to you know, yes, to make is. those jokes. Uh no, he uh, he wasn't really in the business of he, – he liked to invent stuff. And he actually at one point worked for Edison. Yeah. Um, they didn't always see eye to eye uh, before all this happened. Um, and uh, I think Tesla sort of felt like – based on what I've read, Tesla sort of felt like he was underappreciated and wanted to strike out on his own. And this was one of the thing, one of the many, many things – of course, we talked about radio and how he worked on that. He's – um, well, he got involved with a lot of different kinds of things. And I've also read that that in general, and this may be an overgeneralization, yeah. but in general that Edison took a very experimental approach to learning things. Like yeah. he, he was all about doing something, and if that worked, then that's great. 
Yeah. Solve that problem. Whereas Tesla was more about understanding and thinking things through and then designing stuff that builds on that knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, it's two different approaches. And I've even seen it referred to as Edison's approach being more of a brute force approach. Like, you know, you try something and if it doesn't work well, that's too bad. You go on and you do something else. Right. And uh, whereas Tesla was more of an architect, someone who would think things through before actually committing to action. Mm-hmm. Um, although one would argue, based upon some of Tesla's later works, that that was not always true. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're talking about the uh, the one-upsmanship, the yeah. battles between these two. Yeah, well, Edison, Edison was really um, – did a lot of his own promotion. Yes. Um, and Tesla – did a lot of his own personal promotion. Yes. Um, so they were really kind of different people. I mean, Edison was really working on his company and building that up. Um, and Tesla licensed his patents to uh, George Westinghouse's company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Westinghouse, he would also be sort of an interesting person to talk about with, on his own show if we ever get around to that. But uh, he invented uh, a railroad brake that was very, very popular. He made a lot of money doing this and he saw a way to, he started getting into the electric game too. He saw himself as a, uh, somebody who could actually take on Edison and, and some of the others who were involved in this. They weren't the only two. Um, because this was, you know, it's like a lot of stuff like, uh, computers and so many other things, the internet, uh, Mm -hmm. phones, you know, at that point, when when Edison and Tesla were really doing this, they were all there were many many inventors working on solutions to these problems. How are you going to wire up homes, uh, building the infrastructure and that kind of stuff? So Westinghouse uh, licensed Tesla's patents and began building equipment. Uh, and they been they began competing for different projects, such as the Columbian ex, uh, Exhibition in uh, Chicago, yeah. which was the World's Fair. Yes, yes. And who was going to light the World's Fair? Because they really wanted to do this thing right. They wanted light bulbs everywhere. Because really, I mean, there were very few people who had their homes wired for light. Um, this was going to be really cool. And they were, when they succeeded in doing so, um, that was a, a huge, huge thing because people wanted to see it at night when everything was lit up with electric power. Yeah, that was in uh, 1893. Mm-hmm. So while they are arguing over who gets to light up the World's Fair, Dr. H. H. Holmes is creating his his reign of terror as uh, America, one of America's first serial killers. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Stuff You Should Know did a show about him. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's actually a fantastic book called The Devil in the White City that, uh, yes. that uh, is the story both about H.H. Uh, H. Holmes and his activities and the the preparation and execution of the World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the World's Fair sections in that book were, to me, ten times more interesting than the story about the one of America's first serial killers. Yeah. And it's kind of a but it was it's because you had these incredible personalities that were all mixing mm-hmm. to make the world's fair. And Tesla and Edison were two of them and of ultimately Tesla won. Yeah. And, and they, that, that, that was, was a bitter fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and Edison, you know, he was not above some um pretty outrageous uh, displays to try and win people over to his side. One of his arguments was that because alternating current had these transformers and because alternating current would, uh, would transform a low voltage into an incredibly high voltage, uh, 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 flow of electricity, he argued that alternating current was, was inherently dangerous. 
And, and, and direct current was safe yeah, or considerably or, safer. Exactly. So he would demonstrate this, and this is absolutely horrifying to anyone who's an animal lover, by holding a, a, a public hearing and then using alternating current to electrocute, as in to kill animals with electricity. Uh, the, the, probably the most famous example of which was an elephant named Topsy. Yeah, um, Harold Brown, sort of a bit player in this whole drama, um, was a guy that, from what I can tell, uh, in Empires of Light, sort of came out of nowhere. He wasn't really an employee of, of the Edison Company, but, um, he was also, uh, of the belief that alternating current was extremely dangerous. And Edison saw, uh, a way to, promote the idea that alternating current was dangerous and direct current was safer um, by using Brown's experiments. And he, you know, basically experimented on on animals and showing that uh, the amount of current of alternating current it would take to kill somebody was considerably less than the amount of direct current it would take to kill somebody. Um, and they did experiments on animals, both in, in if I'm not mistaken in private and in public the public demonstrations you know they they electrocuted dogs and other animals including topsy the elephant yep and then they decided to uh promote a new way of uh dispensing justice yes they built the electric chair yeah look yeah. how dangerous alternating current is they can use it to put criminals to death yeah and they promoted this as a way to you know, for one thing, they were were uh, theoretically providing a public service, right? You know, it's a new way to to execute convicted criminals. Yeah. But uh, also it promoted their ends by saying, look how dangerous alternating current is. So we should all invest in direct current. Yes. Uh, ultimately, that argument did not win. And so uh, alternating current, because it just made more sense financially as far as a way of distributing electricity across wide areas – uh, that's what won out. I mean, it, and it makes sense in that use case, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like direct current went away. It's not no. like we don't use direct current in lots of different things right now. Yep. And in fact, um, depending on the device, you may be using both. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, um, some of the adapters that you plug in for portable electronics, uh, have a DC output, even though they're taking their, you know. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're taking, alternating current from the wall mm-hmm. and then the converter converts it from alternating current to direct current before it delivers the electricity to whatever device you're using. Yes. Yeah, there there are plenty of examples of that. And of course, if you have anything with a battery in it, well that's, you know, a battery like we said in the very first example, that's direct current. Unless you are having some weird way of swapping the battery's poles over and over again, which I can't imagine you doing that. Um then it's You'd have a, to do it awful quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a direct current. Yeah. So, so we still use both, and there are a lot of reasons why you would want to use direct current uh, for, especially for anything that's like you know, n- not connected to a power source or not a power source, but a power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, we still use direct current in plenty of applications, but when it comes to delivering electricity across huge distances, alternating current's the way to go. It makes perfect sense. Right. By the way, have you ever seen a transformer blow? No, but I've heard them. I've seen it a few times. It is a pretty spectacular and incredibly startling thing to see. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you'll hear one 
uh, you know, blowout in your neighborhood or actually there was one here, uh, in the Atlanta area just yesterday that started a brush fire when it, when it exploded. Yeah. You usually see a lot of sparks and there's normally a very loud bang. Actually, there's always going to be a really loud bang. And it's, um, uh, I remember the first time it happened, I thought someone fired a shotgun mm-hmm. off next to the car I was in because it was, uh, we were going down downtown Atlanta in a thunderstorm and a power surge caused the transformer to overload and yeah. overload rather and it uh and it, it blew out the transformer. Mm. Uh yeah, and and transformers are a little more complicated than just two coils of wire. That's just the basic that's the that's the core of a transformer. Yeah, we wanted you to understand the concept. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. I mean, you can there's there's plenty of reading to be done, believe me, on on these things. Yeah, check out our articles on electricity and transformers. Uh they they are they are very helpful. There are a lot of really cool uh illustrations and uh, I think You'll find it interesting. Um, it, it definitely helped me understand a little better about the subject before we came in here today. Yeah, yeah. And and although we were joking about the uh, the uh, toy slash movie Transformers, we have articles about that too. Yes. So, so if you, uh, you want to read entertaining, about, if you want to read about Optimus Prime, yeah, we've got you covered. And real Transformers, or sort of. Actually, I think the one that's about the robots is called "What Are Real Transformers?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, well, so anyway. yeah, check them out. Check them out. It's good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, let us know if you guys want us to talk about any particular subjects. We've been getting a lot of really good uh, suggestions from Facebook, from Twitter, from email. Keep them coming because it makes uh, our jobs much easier when we know what our listeners want to hear. And, uh, you know, we try not to concentrate on any one particular type of subject for too long other than technology. We seem to be stuck on that for some reason. <laughs> so let us know. You can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can send us an email, and that address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Fork's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.